All right, Bible and Daily Lifers, here we are. We are going through the New Testament in a year, making pretty good progress. I don't know that we're going to make it through this whole chapter today. We will have to see what happens with that. Um, it's an awful lot of stuff here, and it's actually the Sermon on the Mount, which is maybe one of Jesus' best-known teachings. Not everybody knows the whole thing, but there are little pieces in here that people are familiar with. So we're going to try it. Let's see how far we can get. Uh, let's go with Jesus. Let's uh, see what he's doing now. <laughs> he's picked up some disciples. He's starting to teach. We said the three things that he was doing was he was preaching, he was teaching, and he was healing. That's what marked his ministry. So chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds. So now he's getting quite a following. There's uh, crowds following. He went up onto the mountain. Uh, this was probably a hill. Uh, they call them mountains there in, in Israel. There are some big mountains there, but, you know, they also call hills mountains. So they use the word a little bit differently than we do. But seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him. They came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them. Now, I like this because Jesus is sitting down while he's teaching and he's outside. We'll see this when we go through the the thing here, he's up on the mountain, he's outside, and uh, he's sitting down. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, a lot of people quote this and say, blessed are the poor. Well, that's not actually what it says. Jesus has a lot to say about the poor, and tells us that we're to be concerned with the poor, and we certainly should be. Um, Christian people should be concerned with those who are less fortunate than ourselves, and some Christians are are poor so um you know poor by certainly certainly by our standards so he doesn't say the poor he says the poor in spirit so this is about your spiritual poverty uh recognizing that when it comes to your own righteousness and your own ability to be as good as god to get yourself into heaven based on your own merits and your own works and your own goodness you're you're poverty stricken you can't do it uh, so when you recognize that, though, um, you're blessed because the kingdom of heaven is yours, because then you reach out and you say, I need a savior. I need someone to do this for me. You know, where can I get a savior? Well, the savior is Jesus Christ, you know, who is God in the flesh. Emmanuel came and dwelt among us, died for our sins on the cross, took our place, arose from the dead and uh, lives evermore. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for this is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn. I think that this has got to do, you know, with seeing the condition of the world, seeing the condition of our own lives, seeing the condition of our own hearts. Um, you know, when we mourn, when we cry, you know, Jesus can help us through that. And he desires to help him through it, uh, help us through it. So blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Well, meek's an interesting thing, as is humility. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're not strong. But it means that you, have, you have strength and you have you have restraint and you, you hold back and and you'll inherit the earth. And you think that the violent will inherit the earth and the violent have been trying to inherit the earth forever. They try to inherit neighborhoods. They try to inherit stuff. They try to come into your house and take your stuff. Uh, but well, blessed are the meek who inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be satisfied. Seek God. And you'll find ultimate satisfaction. Jesus will say the same thing in a few minutes. Uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything will be added unto you. 
Blessed are the merciful, will they receive mercy? <laughs> we want mercy, but we don't like to give mercy. <laughs> well, be merciful and you'll get mercy. Uh, you know, give people a break. Give people a break. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. You know, I think that this means when you've gone through all of these, recognize your spiritual poverty, your, your mourning, your, your meek. You know, you're not exerting power. You're not being oppressive. You're not laying heavy trips on people. Uh, you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You know, I'd like to be more like God. I'd like to be more like Jesus. I'd like to, and, and, and you're merciful. Well, the pure in heart, when you get to that place, you see God in everything. You know, you can see God in suffering. You can see God in disaster. You can see see God in troubled times. You can see God in everything. In fact, uh, maybe you, you see uh, the trouble in our lives and maybe the even the internal struggles that we have is God working on us and God doing some construction inside of us. So blessed are the pure in heart when we get to that place because we'll see God. We'll see God in everything. Blessed are the peacemakers, uh, for they will be called the sons of God or the children of God. So uh, peace is what it's all about. You see, the gospel is about peace. Jesus was a peacemaker. He made peace in between the broken relationship between us and God and he bridged the gap. He brought peace, made peace between us and God. And so we have the same commission, according to the Apostle Paul, that we're ambassadors for Christ. And we're able to help people bring peace into their relationship with God, reconcile their relationship. And then as a result of that, you know, we experience peace with God. Uh, once we have the, the, the peace with God, we experience the peace of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted, who you think, for righteousness, for sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Uh, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So this is all about identifying with Jesus. And many times when we identify with Jesus, we find that people ridicule us, people make fun of us, people even persecute us. Uh, the persecution started with the religious authorities in the first century, and uh, it, can, it continued with Rome, and it's continued throughout the ages. Right now, there's an awful lot of persecution around the planet, and it seems like the, the, the tide is rising uh, for persecution against God's people all around the planet. So, you know, be blessed. You know, they did it to Jesus. They're going to do it to you. You can't expect that what they did to Jesus, they're not going to do to you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown down and trampled on under people's feet. So if you drop some of your salt in the dirt, you know, it's hard to get it out and separate. It's not good for anything anymore. You can't really use it. You can't put it on your food. Uh, what, does, what does salt do if we're the salt of the earth? Well, it, it brings out the flavor. It brings out the flavor. And we're supposed to bring out the flavor of life to others. Uh, also, in, in the ancient world, it was uh, used also as a preservative. You would put it on meat and things in order to preserve it because you didn't have refrigeration. Uh, and it was also used for payment for uh, Roman soldiers. It was, uh, it was valuable. So you're valuable to God and you're valuable to your community. You're valuable to your circle. You're valuable to your home and your family. And uh, so salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. A city uh, set on a hill cannot be hid, nor do people put a light under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So, um, again, in ancient Israel or the ancient world where, you know, there's a lot of flatlands, uh, when people would build cities up on top of hills, you know, you could see them for a long time, particularly at night when the, the, the lights were on. And, and we should be able to be seen. We should be visible. It should be obvious that, you know, God is in our life and God is working in our lives. And we can shine the light for other people. Uh, you know, turn us, turn me on, Jesus. <laughs> you know, let me shine before other people. Uh, so then Jesus said, don't think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them. But I'd say to you, until heaven and earth uh, passes away, not one iota, not one dot will pass from the law until it's all accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of these commandments teaches us to do so, will be called the least in the kingdom. But whoever does them and teaches uh, people to do them will be called great. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the purpose of the law, the Old Testament law, was really to show you that you couldn't do it, that you're not righteous on your own. You know, the first thing it tells you is to not have any idols, you know, to love God, to never misuse his name. You know, and then it tells you to go on and it, it says, you know, don't commit adultery. And Jesus said, if you committed, if you've looked at someone lustfully in your heart, you've committed adultery. Don't steal. Um, don't covet. You know, that's the big one. Don't covet. You know, you want something that belongs to somebody else. So all of those things show us that we can't do it and we haven't done it. Not a single one of us. And it says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter in. Well, in the day, the scribes and the Pharisees were thought of as being very respectable, and most people thought they could never attain the kind of lifestyle that they had. They were so far above people. Well, they weren't. Jesus will expose them. We'll see that as, as we go on in Matthew, that you know they may have looked good on the outside, but in, in the inside, their hearts are wicked, just like other people with wicked thoughts and confused things. And and so unless your righteousness exceeds that, unless you're better than them, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of God. Well, that leaves most people out. Most people can't be as good as they, they are. Well, how do you become more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees? You take on the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus, who knew no sin, he's God himself in the flesh, he knew no sin. He became sin for us on the cross. He took our sin. He took our punishment. And when he took our punishment, those of us who put faith in what he did for us on the cross... Are forgiven and we're made righteous so he who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God so how does your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees by putting your faith in Jesus Christ and then you have the righteousness of Jesus Jesus has made you righteous well that's that's why it's called the good news <laughs> he did it for you so there's a lot more to read and uh, we don't have the time to read it all but please continue to read chapter 5 and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. So Bible and Daily Life, find us on YouTube, find us on Facebook, find us on a podcast, uh, find us all over the place. Hey, peace. Love you.